Hello, I'm Dr. Louise Newson, and welcome to my podcast. I'm a GP and menopause specialist, and I run the Newson Health Menopause and Wellbeing Centre here in Stratford-upon-Avon. I'm also the founder of the Menopause Charity and the Menopause Support App called Balance. On the podcast, I will be joined each week by an exciting guest to help provide evidence-based information and advice about both the perimenopause and the menopause. So today on my podcast, I want to welcome to you Dr. Abby Lang, who is one of the doctors that works very closely with me in the clinic, but she also has a brain very big and she likes writing and researching. And she's a bit like me in the respect that a lot of her time is now thinking about the menopause and talking about it to anyone that will listen. So thanks ever so much, Abby, for joining me today. Thank you, Louise, for that kind introduction. I feel very grateful to be here speaking with you today. So tell me about you first, and then we'll talk more about clearly the menopause. But why are you interested in the menopause? And what was your journey from medical school to here? So I was always interested in women's health. If I look back retrospectively, I can see that I always wanted to work in women's health and I had a natural passion towards that side. My initial career started out in obstetrics and gynaecology and I did that for a few years initially in Perth, Australia. I moved out to Perth and did a lot of obstetrics and gynaecology. But as part of my rotations out there, I never went through a menopause rotation. Mm. And I know that in Perth they were available, but unfortunately I didn't get to do one of those. My husband did do a menopause rotation in Perth and he always talked about menopause aspects of care that I felt I didn't fully understand. I then returned to the UK and did my GP training and I knew that I wanted to be a GP with a specialist interest in women's health and I felt I'd equipped myself in most of the prongs of women's health care but HRT still felt like a grey area and I was finding it really quite hard to learn about HRT and, and access good HRT information and it became more of a mission might be the right word to learn about it and I spent many hours reading journals and emailing people to try and get more information because I wanted to get really good at it because lots of perimenopausal and menopausal women were coming in and I still felt I hadn't quite mastered the art of it and it's actually I emailed you when I was working in primary care and asked you some questions and you kindly replied to me which I was so pleased about and and the penny started to drop with the more questions I asked and the more information I read which you had written the penny started to fall into place and I started to understand menopause Mm. care the penny dropped for me and that was when I fell in love with the subject and I read more and more about it and I saw more and more perimenopausal patients and I realized how much I could help them and how much these ladies were struggling and they could have their lives turned around and I have completely fallen in love with menopausal care and I have now jumped ship and as you know I work three days a week in your Newton Health menopause clinic at the moment which I absolutely love so it has become my main speciality. It's amazing isn't it it's so interesting how people come from different backgrounds obviously I've not come from obstetrics and gynaecology and I've come from a background of hospital medicine and general practice but again menopause wasn't in my radar at all 
But once you start reading and reading the evidence as well, not just the evidence for HRT, but the, also the evidence of the risks of not having our hormones replaced, it's quite astounding. And actually, I spend a lot of my time feeling cross for lots of reasons, but I feel very cross and disappointed that no one told me the obvious years ago. I wish in the 90s and 80s when I was at medical school, someone sat me down literally on the first day almost and said, do you know, oestrogen <laughs> and probably testosterone in women are the most important hormones. And we have to be thinking about it all the time. And mm. it would have changed the shape of so much I'd done over the last 30 years. When I look back now, and I think I was given quite a lot of misinformation as part of my training, uh, you know, I was told things like taking HRT will increase your risk of blood clot. I remember that being a teaching session. And actually, that is factually wrong. We know that there's different types of HRT. It's much more complicated than that. And if you have estrogen through the skin with micronized progesterone, it doesn't increase your risk of clot. And I think and we've become very passionate, as you know, about trying to improve access to educational resources because it feels very, very confusing when you are working in primary care, for example, or as a clinician, and there is misinformation and you think, well, who do I trust? What's right? Who's saying the right things and who's saying the wrong things? And it was only after... I read endless papers, endless papers by BMS, IMS, North American Menopause Society, for example, that I've managed to do my own research and realise what's right and wrong going forward. And I think that needs to be corrected so that clinicians have good access to educational resources that are evidence-based because there's so much confusion out there for people at the moment. And it's very difficult, isn't it? When you're a busy general practitioner or busy clinician, it's very hard to go back and unpick the evidence. And, Mm. you know, you just read what's on face value, really. Um, And a lot of it is based on information that's associated with drug prescribing. So it's from the MHRA, the Medicines Health Regulatory Authority, which unfortunately their information is wrong. So it will say about clock risk for example or or breast cancer risk and although we've been trying to change it it hasn't happened yet so you can understand why people are confused and having evidence-based information is absolutely crucial because when we get the right treatment for women obviously we can improve their symptoms but more fundamentally we can improve their future health and this is something that I think we haven't been taught enough about how health can improve with HRT, have we? Absolutely. It's a huge part of it. There's risks to not giving HRT. And I think that's not talked about mm. enough. There's risks for your cardiovascular system, a woman's cardiovascular system, her brain health, her brain health, her mental health, and emotional well-being. It is not without risk to not give HRT. And I think that needs to be thought about more and I think it's really hard to be a GP Mm. at the moment out there it's really hard to be a generalist because the menopause care is one aspect of primary care and it's very very hard to be good at everything it's probably impossible to be good at everything and it's for that reason that GPs and clinicians in general need really good educational resources that they can access quickly and easily and is readily available and is trustworthy because GPs have a very short period of time with a patient. Often it's 10 minutes. They often have complex comorbidities. It's a really challenging job. So 
I would like to try and make that 10-minute consultation easier for GPs because I think it's really tough out there for them. So already, it's not that you've just seen patients, you've been working really hard on some very big projects. And so one of the first things you did is develop treatment pathways, which we have put through at the Newson Health Menopause Society that we've opened through my not-for-profit, which is really helping. We're getting some great feedback from clinicians. So just talk me through what they are and how they help people. So I've made about 10 treatment pathways that are a concise overview of common consultation types in menopause and primary care. For example, there is the initial consultation and common problem-solving aspects focusing in that. There's a three-month review and looking at what happens if there's side effects, common side effects, what to do if there's no symptom improvement. There's one on POI, which is premature ovarian insufficiency. There's one on testosterone and there's one on GSM. And there's others as well, which provide a concise evidence-based overview of those topics. Which is so helpful because, again, for busy doctors and clinicians, prescribing clinicians, they're just really useful to be able to help to just look at and know what to prescribe and how to prescribe safely. Because as we know, the more we see menopausal women, the more we learn from our clinics, the more we can share with other people. It just makes it easier. So, you know, we did some research not that long ago through my not-for-profit and we found that 7% of women took at least 10 GP consultations just to get some advice, let alone any treatment. And many women are waiting several years actually to get treatment which you know it shouldn't be and that's partly I understand if the doctor doesn't know then the patient might go off and then come back again and then see someone else and it's just not fair because also it's draining the NHS resources isn't it if we can get on and help and treat in the first or second consultation that would be so much better. And it's really powerful to use the menopause symptom questionnaire or to use the balance app for this. And I know that we use the menopause symptom questionnaire for all our patients in the private sector, but you can use it in primary care as well as a way of looking at symptoms, which are often very insidious and can take a long time to tease out in the consultation, but can very quickly be identified using the questionnaire. It's also very powerful for women as well, because it's a reminder as they look at the symptoms they think actually no I do have palpitations or yes I do have this symptom and it's a very very powerful tool to use for both clinician and the patient involved to identify menopause symptoms and it can help to reduce 10 consultations and the effect of that which is a burden on NHS. Yeah absolutely so it's about being empowered as a patient and also being educated as a healthcare professional and my Mm. dream is that balance will do the educating for patients and the menopause society and the educational work we were doing will educate healthcare professionals and then we can close the clinic and get on with doing something else (laughs) so um the other piece of work that we've just recently done together actually which has been really joyous to do together is writing an article which is soon to be published in the cancer journal we're hoping all goes well and just can you explain what that's about Yes, so we've written a paper and it's about the benefits of using vaginal estrogen and whether or not there's any association or risks, particularly in view of cancer development, because it's always a hot topic Mm. that and one that can cause stress to females and to clinicians who aren't sure as well. So hopefully this will concisely 
present the evidence in one place for people to read. Yes, so let's just go through. So vaginal oestrogen, for those listening who aren't sure, is not HRT, actually. So when we talk about HRT, or in other countries, it's MHT, menopause or hormonal treatment, that's systemic hormone. So that's given as a tablet or a patch gel or spray. So it goes into the body and that helps with all the systemic symptoms, such as the flushes and sweats and memory problems and so forth but it also helps reduce the future risk of diseases that we talked about so this increased risk of disease with low hormones those low hormones are improved by having HRT but we know that the majority of menopausal women some studies say as many as 80% of menopausal women have the effects of the low hormones in their vagina and the surrounding tissues so the vagina the vulva the bladder the pelvic floor the urethra the tube that we wear out of and low estrogen can cause quite debilitating symptoms and one of the treatments as well as HRT or people can have it without HRT actually is vaginal estrogen and that will seep into the vagina but all those surrounding tissues including the bladder as well and so it's very safe but not many people actually use it do they what what are the percentages of women who actually use vaginal estrogen Only 7% of women use vaginal estrogen and and as you've just mentioned, 80% of women have symptoms down below in the genital and urinary system and they can be really distressing and women don't talk about it enough and it's really important to discuss it with somebody because treatments are really effective and treatments are really safe. And the simplest way to describe it is you give estrogen into the vagina and there is more than one type of estrogen you can use so there is estradiol which is the estrogen that is produced in most women premenopausally and that's found in things like vagifem vagirux which many of you have probably heard of but there's also estriol which is another body identical estrogen that's weaker and that means that if you don't get on with one type of vaginal estrogen you may well get on with another so if you have tried one and not had a great experience for example with irritation it is worth trying another because the benefits are so huge for women and it's also available in different formulations for example you can have it in a ring and a lot of people don't know about the vaginal ring and the ring sits in the vagina for three months and then is replaced after three months and it's a long-acting way of giving estrogen back to the vaginal health and that can be really really powerful for example in elderly individuals in care homes who can't remember to take treatments daily or who have recurrent urinary infections because of low estrogen and it sits there and it can help to prevent recurrent urinary infections. It's also really helpful for ladies who are busy and actually don't want to be thinking about um, inserting daily or twice weekly regimes into the vagina so it's a brilliant one to think about it's really really small it's really really light and really flexible and once it's put in you can't feel it so it's underused in my opinion the vaginal ring other ways of having it includes a pessary which is a small tablet and traditionally that's given 
daily for two weeks as a loading dose and then there is a maintenance dose where you use it twice weekly but if you're still having symptoms twice weekly you can increase it more than that so it doesn't have to be twice weekly it's about finding the right dose to prevent symptoms long term so that's another way of using it you can also use creams and creams are really good for targeted areas so particularly sore areas on the labia or down below putting creams on can be really helpful for that so there's lots of different types and there's two types of estrogen and there's different ways of giving it as well so there's lots of options there's also a newer pessary which contains something called DHEA and this gets converted to both estrogen and androgens which is the testosterone and that can be even more effective for some women because it has the estrogen and the testosterone working separately and there is some evidence that testosterone is effective for genitourinary health independently to estrogen so it is another one to consider and that pessary is used daily so there are lots of options and I have met some ladies who've tried one and perhaps not felt any benefits or had a little bit of irritation. And I think if that happens, it's really worth trying another one because the benefits can be so life-changing for women. Yeah, you're so right. And I see a lot of women who have quite deep-seated urinary symptoms. So people who have chronic interstitial cystitis or really bad recurrent urinary tract infections and We give local oestrogen and like you say, sometimes it can cause irritation initially and it's not usually to the hormone, it will be due to the formulation. So just changing from a cream to a pessary or from a pessary to using the gel or the ring can be really useful. Mm. But a lot of these women I've found, it can take months to improve. So Mm. the vaginal dryness symptoms and the irritation can take weeks sometimes, usually weeks to improve. But some of the urinary symptoms I found can sometimes take six, nine months to improve and I recently saw a young lady in my clinic who's only 38 and so she's got early menopause and her only symptom actually has been vaginal and urinary symptoms but they were so bad that she actually considered taking her life. She works as a primary school teacher and they were just so awful, especially the urinary symptoms. You know, to have cystitis, a lot of women have had an episode of cystitis but it was all the time and the pain and the burning and she wasn't sleeping and she was contacting the clinic three four times a week in an absolute crisis and she's had some localized treatment as you explain and she's also had systemic hormones and when I saw her in the clinic I actually had to look at her name twice because she came in just breezed into the clinic sat down was smiling and I said gosh what's happened she said well it's all just working I haven't felt like Mm. this for years and Mm. she said whenever I read about GSM so genital urinary syndrome of the menopause or vaginal dryness it's always about older people and she said even some of the medical papers I've read that it's the last symptom that comes she said but that's all I've had and no one believed me and she'd been seeing different gynecologists and different urologists and Mm. you know the distress Mm. that she had in her voice when I first met her was really haunting and but it has taken quite a few months and we do see that a lot so it's really important to persevere. So when you wrote this amazing article, you've gone through 
I think probably every paper that's ever been written uh, <laughs> about this. But also we were writing it with respect to giving these localised hormones to women who've had breast cancer, especially oestrogen receptor positive breast cancer, because I've got a podcast that some of you might listen to with Avram Blooming talking about HRT, so systemic HRT for women who've had breast cancer. But we see a lot of women who are told they can't even have vaginal hormones because they've had a history of breast cancer. And my practice has always been to listen to patients to share any uncertainty and to give the best treatment to improve their symptoms. And a lot of women who find it so hard to sit down or wear underclothes, actually their breast cancer is the least of their worries, actually. Their worry is they can't function. So it's been an easy decision almost to to give them the right treatment. But actually the paper that we've written together is even more reassuring, isn't it, for these people? So can you explain how safe? So that all of the evidence does not show an increased risk of breast cancer recurrence among women who are using normal licensed doses of vaginal oestrogen, even if they've had oestrogen receptor positive cancer. And there is not a huge amount of data. We could always have more, but the data we do have is reassuring. And several organisations, including the American College of Obstetrics and Gynaecology, have endorsed the use of using vaginal oestrogen in women who've had oestrogen receptor positive disease. So certainly it can be considered for women. It can often feel very daunting because many treatment strategies for women who have had oestrogen receptive positive cancer have focused on lowering oestrogen. So it can feel a little bit daunting to then have a treatment that gives oestrogen back, but the absorption is minimal with this. And no study has ever shown an increased risk of breast cancer with transvaginal oestrogen. Non-hormonal treatments are still given first line, but it can be considered if symptoms are not improving and it should be considered. It's worth mentioning the tamoxifen and aromatase inhibitors, Mm. which are the two treatments that women are often on. So tamoxifen binds with a very high affinity to the oestrogen receptor and there is no concern using local oestrogen that it will compromise its effect. It is much more likely that tamoxifen will compromise the effect of vaginal oestrogen and not the other way around. Aromatase inhibitors, these work slightly differently. They prevent production of oestrogen. And the use of vaginal oestrogen in this setting of women, as you know, Louise, has been more controversial. Mm. And for some, it can feel counterintuitive to prescribe oestrogen and it might be possible to switch an aromatase inhibitor to tamoxifen, which could be an appropriate decision for some women. But it is worth noting that the profound depletion caused by aromatase inhibitors of oestrogen can cause such distress that it actually triggers discontinuation of the aromatase inhibitors, and that could be avoidable. So using vaginal oestrogen in women with aromatase inhibitors should not be an absolute contraindication, in my opinion. Mm. And that's very reassuring, and it's not just your opinion, it's looking at the evidence as well, isn't it? Yeah, and it is, also yeah. sometimes, and I've said this before on the podcast, looking at common sense medicine as well and the other thing is is that when women have quite severe symptoms the lining of the vagina can be very very thin because without Mm. oestrogen you get thinning of the tissues there's less blood supply there's less collagen and so anything that is inserted in the vagina is more likely to get absorbed into the body because the lining is so thin 
estrogen works very quickly when used locally to thicken these tissues to improve the blood supply so all the good nutrients go there but also collagen deposition and everything else so that's why I after a few weeks symptoms of vaginal dryness can improve but the tissues can reverse quite quickly actually but as you can imagine if the wall of the vagina is thicker because the treatments worked then anything that's going to be absorbed it's less easy to be absorbed, if you see what I mean, isn't it? That's why it's really important not to stop and start mm. a treatment, because if you do that, you're going to have that initial peak in blood level happening over and over again. Whereas if you stay on the same dose consistently, then the vaginal skin will thicken and absorption at that peak will not occur. So it's important to stay on it and not stop and start yes. it. Yes, and that's for anyone to carry on with it, because... We know that some symptoms such as hot flushes might last a few months, they might last a few years, they might last decades, but a lot of people with time find that some symptoms do improve. But symptoms related to vaginal dryness actually worsen with time, don't they? So um, there's no need to stop using this treatment. And I've certainly spoken to a lot of women who have been advised, like you say, to stop the treatment, see how they feel and only restart if they have symptoms. And there doesn't make any sense to do that does it it's progressive it should be placed on the repeat prescription it should be used long term if you stop it symptoms will reoccur and they will become progressive with time and unfortunately that's why we see so many little old ladies with recurrent UTIs and discomfort down below because they haven't had vaginal estrogen long term and and structures have progressed to that point and actually it's really important to mention recurrent UTIs I think I touched on it earlier but you see this a lot where people are placed on recurrent antibiotics to the point where they get placed on prophylactic antibiotics which means they take them daily to prevent infection and this is often because estrogen has gone down and affected the bladder health and the urethra and the pelvic floor and actually by giving antibiotics you're not treating the underlying cause you need to give back estrogen replacement and there is a fairly prompt reversal then as long as it started early-ish and it's not progressed too much there is a prompt reversal in the genitourinary health and that should prevent recurrent urine infections for most women so if you know somebody or you, you have a patient who has had recurrent urine infections it is really important to consider estrogen as the underlying reason here and it gets missed commonly and it can lead to perennial antibiotic use which is not without its own risks in itself yeah absolutely and it's so important um I feel that actually we've already said 80% of women experience symptoms. So that means 80% of women should be receiving treatment. And so we've got a long Mm -hmm. way to go. But certainly when the article comes out, that's really going to reassure people who've had breast cancer. And I think it is essential that anyone who's had certainly more than one course of antibiotics for urine infection should be thinking, why am I not using vaginal oestrogen? And even women who take HRT, about 20% of women who take HRT still need to use a vaginal preparation often actually women who've had a hysterectomy find that they can might be fine before on hrt after a hysterectomy they often find that they need vaginal estrogen as well so really important that any symptoms are discussed with a Mm. healthcare professional who understands the importance of having the right treatment there's been a very good study on vaginal estrogen called the women's health 
initiative observation study undertaken in 2018 and this included 45,000 women so this was a prospective cohort and the outcome and the summary was that using vaginal estrogen there was no increased risk of coronary heart disease no increased risk of stroke no increased risk of blood clot no increased risk of colorectal cancer, no increased risk of endometrial cancer, and no increased risk of breast cancer. That is how safe Mm. this treatment is, and it's extremely effective and restores quality of life for women. And we know that the emotional and physical well-being of symptoms of genital urinary syndrome of the menopause cannot be underestimated it can hugely affect women every day in many, many ways. Yeah, I mean, that's a really reassuring way to end, actually. So thank you ever so much for highlighting that and reassuring <laughs> us all how safe these treatments are. So just to finish, Abby, are you able to give three tips to women who have maybe have been listening to this and think, yes, I might have some of these symptoms. And certainly I've had the odd urinary tract infection or not even an infection, just some cystitis. What would be your three tips for those women to seek help? I would seek help early and use vaginal estrogen. And if you haven't got on with the first one, persist and try a different one because the benefits are huge for ladies and there are many different options and they should be used regularly and they should be placed on your repeat and not stopped because that is the safest way to use it. If you have recurrent urinary infections it is always important to think about estrogen as being the underlying cause and low estrogen causing these infections and for frail ladies and elderly ladies in care home or for very busy women who are on night shifts or busy rotors the estrin ring is a really powerful and underused vaginal estrogen and these treatments are safe they've not been shown to increase the risk of any disease and that's been in a huge study but that's been proven and they can be considered in women who've had estrogen receptor positive cancers excellent so great advice and thank you ever so much for your time and look forward to all the other work you're going to do for us going forward as well so thank you thank you louise thank you for your time for more information about the perimenopause and menopause please visit my website balance-menopause.com or you can download the free balance app which is available to download from the app store or from google play (music) 